0: This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. The message this morning, and this is the last of our series uh, on life is messy, and that's why on the platform we have these uh, paint drop uh, coverings. We've had some messy experiences last Sunday, I understand, when Leanne Welk was here, and we've had kids on our platform, lots of different things to illustrate, you know what, life gets messy. There's no perfect life, that all of us experience that. And this morning I want to ask you the question, what do you think is life's biggest mess? What could possibly be life's biggest mess. I'm not sure if you've ever been in a mess yourself. I'm not sure if you travel with a coffee cup in your car. Have you ever had hot coffee in your car and you thought that the lid was on? Have you ever been there? Maybe hot chocolate, maybe something else, and you thought the lid was on? When I drove out today, I drove out with a t-shirt. I didn't wear this shirt. Because whenever I speak about stuff, I always have stuff happen. So if I talk messy, it's going to spill on my shirt, right? So... I figured I'd better be safe uh, than sorry. And then I discovered there's something on the back of my pants that I didn't even know was there. So we get that fixed. Life can get messy at times. It can go sideways on us in unexpected moments. Uh, Sometimes we just say two words, and uh, it can cause a lot of uh, issues and circumstances. So Don Cherry, just two words, lost his job because he said the wrong two words in the wrong place in what he was talking about. And I'm not sure what your opinions is on that, so I'll move on quickly because we want to focus on other words. But nonetheless, he got himself in a mess this week. There was another young lady named Jessica Allen that got herself in a mess too, but it didn't cost her her job. So a fascinating world in which we live and uh, circumstances that we have. Life's mess, life's biggest mess, could that be cancer? Could it be the loss of a loved one? Um. Could it be the fact that you're married and things go sideways and you end up divorced to the person of your dreams could it be that one of your children gets sick before you do and come to the end of your life and they pass away before you do and now you're bereaved as a parent maybe you have people in your life that have experienced gender confusion maybe you have people that have gone through what they might consider messes maybe you have people in your life that are doing really well people that you may think i wish i could trade places with them um, maybe you've experienced online bullying. Maybe you've experienced the whole idea of social media and what happens, and it's rampant. Did you know that one of the leading causes of teen suicide in Canada is now children responding to cyberbullying by taking their own lives? So it's a pretty serious thing, and that's why we're having O Ozenting out here this coming Wednesday night to do a talk on digital parenting. He brings 20 years of experience, as well as being a dad and a pastor, uh, to our church this Wednesday night, 6.45. It's family night, and we'd love to not only have you come. This is for grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, anybody who cares about kids, um, but your neighbors and friends, people who you may work with that have kids as well, because um, this is an experience and a phenomenon that's occurring um, in our lives and lives. John is going to give us some really good steps, practical things that you can do and you can be aware of. So it's free, it's for your friends, it's for our community, uh, and we trust you'll come out this uh, Friday night. Dinner's at quarter to six, and then John will be speaking at qu- uh, quarter to seven until 8.15. We'll meet right in here. The youth are taking care of the BG clubs, and they're going to be in uh, our gym that night. But he's going to talk a little bit about the mess that cyberbullying has created and uh, how we as families uh, can make our way through that. You may know uh, the, the next guy in this uh, picture, um, Mike Fisher, plays for the Nashville Predators. Uh, he has uh, kind of a pretty wife, right? Uh, if you follow country music and maybe even saw the CMA Awards this week, you know Carrie Underwood. Um, you'd never think, perhaps, maybe you wish you could trade places with them. You may never think that his life was in a mess. But I want to come to the end of my message and share that story with you uh, about what he found in his mess. But what is life's greatest mess? That all of us are different that all of us though we end up in messy places and in circumstances and i think god cares about us where we are and he wants to help us in our circumstances so that's why i want to address this today and i want to have you hear the words of jesus um, they come from the new testament book of luke uh, chapter 12 and it starts in verse 15 so if you have your bible or your smartphone if you would uh, turn to that if you've downloaded the uversion app as well you'll know that now these notes, these references, additional notes are online. You can follow along with them. You can take notes on your smartphone as well and uh, be able to look back over them. Uh, Uversion notes from Bethel stay online till next Saturday night. So uh, if you uh, know someone who missed the service or if you're watching right now, uh, you could download the Uversion app. It's free and then you could follow along with even more um, aspects of what's happening. Jesus always had significant things to say about life, and here at Bethel, we read and we study the Bible so we can know how to follow Jesus. That's our whole reason for studying the Bible. We want to know Jesus better, and you can find Jesus, and you'll hear me talk a lot about Jesus, and this story is no different. And on these scriptures, if you don't have your Bible with you, um, I want you to see some of the wording that takes place here. And again, I'd like you to, if you would, engage with the yellow letters, the words with yellow letters in these verses, and I'd just like you to read them out. And so you guys get to do the work right away. You have the first word, so you can just read that out. Okay, can you say that one more time? So Jesus had a lot to say about life. Life, he understood life, and even though he lived 2,000 years ago, he gets life. And he can give us amazing insights, I think, through what we're going to read today into your life, and to what you're experiencing, and what people you know are experiencing. So Jesus says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Interesting. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You know what possessions are, right? The stuff you got in your closets, uh, maybe your basement. Do you guys have a lot of Possessions. Maybe it depends on who I ask in your family if you have a lot of possessions, right? How about a storage area? How, do you guys, anybody rent a whole storage area just to keep your stuff because there's not enough in your house? Maybe your garage is filled with everything but a car because you got stuff out there and you build shelves for it. Um, we, we, I think we all understand about possessions. And it's interesting that Jesus says your life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So... Jesus is about to tell a parable. He loves parables. He loves communicating through them. But before I leave this verse, I want you to see what he's going to talk about, because this is huge. This is not just about stuff, because possessions mean something. Possessions have a meaning to us in our lives. We all feel this. Possessions equal something. And I think you would probably agree with me that when you think about what you own, Maybe it's your money in your bank account, your RRSPs. Maybe it's your house that's mortgage-free. Maybe it's whatever you have in terms of clothing or cars or maybe even a cabin or a cottage or a boat or a a skidoo or something else that you enjoy, all the tract, the farm equipment that you own, all the possessions that we might have. Our possessions really equal uh, in our lives a sense of certainty? They are are certain in our lives because uh, we own them. That Nobody else owns them. and if you could just click forward, Josiah. Thank you. There's certainty. So Jesus is talking about things that we rely on to create certainty. And, and certainty also creates a sense in our lives of security. That when we're certain of something, we feel secure, right? We feel safer. So that if we have a big bank account, we feel we have cushion in case the economy goes sideways. If we have in our lives lots of stuff, um, that if we spill our coffee on our shirt, we can always go get another one. There's a lot of families in our world that only have one shirt, and that's what they wear every day, 31 or 30 days or 28 days of a month. And so we have lots of stuff in our lives. Um, We kind of relate to this verse about the abundance of possessions, because I think most of us can relate to having that. And it's, it's where we find our security. So Jesus tells this parable, and everything that Jesus does in parables always has one meaning. There's never multiple meetings. There's just one. So let's read through this and hear his story that he told 2,000 years ago and see how it applies to us today. The ground of a certain rich man yielded. So he thought to himself, what am I going to do? I don't have any more place to store all my crops. And then Jesus goes on to tell the story. Whoops, can you just go back? There we go. One more forward, Josiah. Thank you. Then he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and... And then I'll store my surplus grain. It's a great idea, right? It's a logical idea. Can you go to the next slide, Josiah? And I'll say to myself, hey, you have plenty of grain. You've got it laid up for many years. Can you say that one more time? Ever heard of a band by the name of the Eagles? Ever heard of a song that they sing? Do you know that song, Leanne? What's that song called? Take it easy. All right, take it easy. So even Jesus was talking about stuff the eagles were singing about in his parables. Take life easy. Lay, yeah, you're okay. You're set for life, right? Eat, drink, and be merry. Did you know that came from the Bible? People expanded the phrase to say, let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. You've heard that, right? But in this verse, Jesus doesn't tag that on. We do that. But take life easy. I'm not sure there are three more deceptive words in the English language than those three. Take life easy. You're you got you're set. Everything's good. You got bigger barns now because you've got lots of crops. You have grain that will last you for years, so you can just take life easy. You have not a care in the world, not a worry. You don't have to worry about a thing. And you'll notice that the idea of possessions relate to certainty and security so what Jesus is saying here is that we look around and we feel pretty secure. This rich individual had lots of resources that he could live for years. If he never made another dime, he had the resources to be able to do very well. So he could just kind of take all the hard work he'd invested and relax and take it easy. Now, Jesus puts a bit of a twist here, right? We, we know what's coming next uh, in Jesus' parable because in, in changing the rhythm he brings us to a place of what I think is the most dangerous mess and biggest mess in our, in our world and mess that happens in our lives. And that, if you could just go to the next slide, Josiah, that I think life's biggest mess is thinking that we're in control, that you're in control, that I'm in control, that I'm in control of my life, that the biggest mess we run into is when we feel that our circumstances are something to control, that we want to bring our life under control. If we can have things under control, then I can take it easy, right? Because they're under control. And we feel that if we work hard enough, and we're smart enough, and we invest well, and we work hard, and we're diligent, and we build our business, and, and we employ the right people, and we have the right strategy, and, and we set goals, and we accomplish those goals, that I can take it easy. I can, I'm in control of my circumstances. I can, I can take care of everything. And I think the biggest mess that we can get into is come to a point where we try to control our circumstances so much that we fool ourselves into thinking that we actually are under control. And then Jesus goes on in the story and he continues uh, to share with um, his listeners. And the next slide, Josiah. I think your ego will always fight to be in the director's chair. And here's what Jesus is trying to get at. that We all have an ego. It's part of who we are you can't escape it. We all have one. And it's not a bad thing. It's just something God built for us, right? We all have egos. But I love the acronym that fits with the letters EGO, because it talks about edging God out. That when we want to be in control of everything, and our ego fights for that director's chair, that we end up in a place where we try to control our circumstances, try to control people around us, try to control our agendas. And uh, what we experience is a false sense that we've got this under control. I got this taken care of. I got this, it's in my back pocket. It's going to be fine. And we tell ourselves that, and we tell other people that. And this is what Jesus is moving towards, to tell his listeners a story. Because remember, he starts off by saying, life, it's way more than the abundance of our possessions. It's way more than our stuff. It's way more than the things that are temporal that we can touch, or taste, or see, or feel. Some people feel that life is like that, and that's all there is. That Death is a period at the end-of-life sentence that when we die, it's all over. Jesus has a different perspective. He looks at death as a comma, not a period, that it punctuates life to a different level, a higher level. And he shares his stories, and he tries to help us in our lives to look way beyond just our own circumstances and the things that we may be able to control and to address our egos, to address our egos. And there's a way that he suggests that we're able to accomplish that. If you go on to the next uh, slide, Josiah. I believe that God can do more with your surrender than you can do with your control. That God can do more when you say, I surrender, I surrender to God, than you can do with your control. That if you're in control of your own life and you're controlling your circumstances, what I'm suggesting today is what Jesus shared with these people, that when you surrender your life, everything, to God, he can do more with that surrender than you can do with your control that all the things that you bring into play. And the biggest question in life that we ask ourselves is who is gonna be in charge of my life? That's the question that creates the dividing line between people who answer me and other people who would answer not me, that I want God to be in control of my life, that I surrender my life to a God who is a creator, who cares about me and who loves me, and that when I surrender my life and control of what I do to him, that my life has a different outcome to it. I mentioned to you about Mike Fisher, uh, married to Carrie Underwood. Uh, Mike plays for the Predators. You know, ups and downs in hockey are not quite like ups and downs in life. And Mike did a video for an organization called I Am Second. Maybe you've heard of them. They exist to help people know that the best way to live is to surrender, to say that I'm not going to put my ego in the director's chair. I'm going to sit in second place. There was a book, maybe you read it one time or heard about it. The book was titled, God is My Co-Pilot. I, I, I tell you what, I don't want to be in a plane where the pilot says, God is my co-pilot. I want to be in a plane where God is the pilot, right? I don't want to be in a church where we say, yeah, God is our co-leader. I want to be in a church where God is in control, where we submit ourselves to him and his ways, that our actions are founded on obedience to him. That gives a settled certainty when there's someone more than a pastor or a board or people that we're trying to follow God. We're trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to let him be the boss. And the the biggest aspect in life is when we come to an answer for that question. Now, you might not have known that Mike Fisher grew up in church, that he he was raised by parents that brought him to Sunday school and to church most every Sunday, and that at 19, he got a hockey contract and signed for a little bit of possessions, a little bit of money that he got in his life, and then he met Carrie. Now, I'd like you to hear from Mike what happened in his life that changed and transformed him, because I think there's a lesson for that. So we're going to go to the video right now. I like Mike. He's very understated. You'd never confuse him with somebody about hype, right? Just pretty matter-of-fact, laid-back. You'd never know he was happy. <laughs> but that's Mike. And listening to him, and I show that with you today, because I've, I've related to Mike, where, where you feel like you're living your life and you kind of got God, he's in the background, but you're living your life and you're doing a good job. But you know the difference between the way it could be and the way it is. I think life's biggest mess is when you don't know you're in a mess. When you sign a hockey contract and you become a millionaire. When your dream comes true. When, when you have people who want you. When you, people cheer for you. When they pay you to play a game. Uh, like, The problem being in that moment is what you're in a mess, but you don't know you're there. And I think I, my life has been like that. And maybe, and I have a feeling there are a number of people in this room today that are like that, where you don't even know you're in a mess. You say, well, Pastor Rob, what do you mean? Well, what I mean is everything is going so well for you that you can get along without God. You can show up at church. You can read your Bible, maybe. But he's kind of on the side. He's in the second chair. And the mess is that if you live the rest of your life that way, a one-degree change in, ang- in destination over the course of decades takes you to a place you don't want to go and that's why when we choose to follow Jesus and become aligned with him and make him our boss answer the question who's in charge not me it's God I want to go God's way so I want to know about Jesus I want to know what he wants me to do and I want to do that then when we live that way we end up in a trajectory that takes us towards God for the rest of our lives And sometimes we're in a mess, and it's the worst mess we can be in. The biggest mess is when we think we're in control, that we're in charge, that everything's going good. And I've been working hard, and I've been making this happen. And we miss out the stuff in the background. And then, like Jesus says, in the story of the man with the bigger barns, he comes along, and he says to him, tonight, your life is going to be required of you. And then everything you've earned, everything you've grown, all your material, who's going to get that? And then he goes, it's a shame not to be rich towards God. To be rich towards God. You see, we can be rich in stuff and in possessions, but really what matters is are we rich toward God? Are you rich toward God? Rich possessions. We've been talking about that today. I think one of the ways that life becomes so practical and real is to understand that Jesus says it's impossible to serve two masters. And he makes that reference in regards to money, possessions. He says, You're going to serve one or the other. You can't serve God and mammon, he uses the word, or money, the stuff that we have in our lives. And I think that can be an indicator to us of exactly who is in charge. And it's a very practical kind of thing, right? It's where the rubber meets the road, it's where reality hits. So let me share this with you. The big word for people who follow Jesus is the word stewardship. The fact that God owns everything. What we have in our lives is simply what God gives us. So whether it's our health, Our families, our money, our jobs, all of that came from God. To be a follower of Jesus is to acknowledge that and then to say, okay, what what do I do with my money? Well, there's lots of verses in the Bible. Some of them point out the fact that because God owns it all, he asks us to simply give him back 10%. It's in the Bible, the word tithe, which means a tenth, 10%. And he tells us that he would like that Back from us as an indicator that we know that one hundred percent is his, so rather than asking for ninety, just ask for ten, and people say well that's that 's part of the Old Testament, um, and we 're New Testament kind of people. well the New Testament is great because ten percent is the minimum entry point, and then we give over and above that in generosity that 's the beauty of the New Testament and you go, well, what kind of Bible are you reading pastor Bob where did that come from? Well, I think if you read through the Bible you discovered that and uh, and so to know that, the question then becomes, are you giving 10% of your income to God? Are you giving it to your church? Are you doing that? And you say, well, now you're getting personal, Pastor Bob. Well, I would say, well, when you do that, you're kind of back in the mess. Because if we know the thing to do and we don't do it, and it's what God would have us do, then we have to ask ourselves the question, why, well, why am I not doing this? Why? What, why did I think that I shouldn't do this? And then you have to answer the question honestly. Sometimes what we do is we just kind of slough over it, and we don't do that. Some people who are good at church, they say, well, you know what? I don't necessarily like the direction our church is going, so I don't think I'll give. Well, when you do that, you're back in the mess, right? Because whose money is it? And in our lives, we find ourselves at times, and I'm, I've been there. That's why I understand this, that I can get myself in a mess without even knowing I'm in a mess. Because when I start to go my way, when I start to really put my opinion that matters more than anything else than God, then I end up going this direction and I realize after I walked this way for a while, I should have been going this way. When I think that, that everything is under my control, and I, can, I, I tend to be a bit of a control freak. I like to cover everything off. I, like to, I don't like surprises. I don't like the unexpected. I want to make sure I have life insurance. I want to make sure I have house insurance, car insurance. I want to make sure that I don't, what else can I insure? I don't know. I'd do it if I knew. But uh, I'd like to have a bank account. I'd like to have RRSPs. I have all those things. And they can fool me into thinking, okay, I've got my future covered. I'm okay. But what I discover is I'm really relying on all those things, and I'm not relying on God. And it's so easy in moments that are good to feel like I'm kind of going God's way because I recognize I'm a Christian. I go to church. I read my Bible. I give some of my money. But we actually are going our own way still, unless God is 100% in control of our lives, that we have surrendered to God. So the question is, are you surrendered? Have you surrendered your whole life to Jesus. Is your whole life surrendered to him? Your opinions, your values, your future, your goals, your dreams, the circumstances you are in, your sickness, your, your past, anything that's been hurtful to you, anything you've gone through that you regret, is all that surrendered to him? Your dreams for the future, you're Mike Fisher, you want to be an NHL player, you sign a million dollar contract when you're 19, you've got it made, right? But that's not about having it made. It's about turning and following God's direction. It's about thinking that my life is good, that my relationship with God is good, and recognizing that there are times when we need to repent when we're going our own way, and repentance is simply turning 180 degrees and then going God's way. It comes at moments where we try to control our sickness, our sorrows, our heartaches, our brokenness, our relationships, and I think all Jesus is saying today is just let it go. Surrender it to me not to let it go, but to say, just hold it out, let me take it. Surrender it to me. Your life, your health, your marriage, your your salvation, your money, your church, your faith, your dreams. Just surrender it. When you surrender it, ego moves out of the director's chair and Jesus moves into it. When you surrender it, you sit in the chair that says, I am second. I know that in my life. God's first, I'm second. I follow him. He's my boss. He's my master. Money doesn't master me because I've let God master me. Do you know that when God masters you, you become the master of all your circumstances? You say, okay, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Bob? I thought God was the master of all those circumstances. Well, he is, and that's why you become the master of those because you see you're under God's authority and his direction. And when you run into a a problem or a heartache or a mess, you go, how am I going to get out of this? No, you say, okay, God, help me in this. Have I done something wrong I need for forgiveness? Have I run into a circumstance that was way beyond my own control and I don't deserve this? I need God's help. Whatever you run into, that's where you turn, to God, and you ask for his help, and you do that with a clear conscience because you know that you're following along after him. You haven't gone your own way. You're following his way. That's what surrender does. The reason we become masters of our circumstances when God masters us is because if anything else masters you, you now become the slave of that you see all of us are worshiping something and if we don't worship god we'll worship something temporal whether it's money or health or sports or fame or dreams and what god wants solely is us our hearts our worship our surrender to him and i believe that's what he's calling us to do today to simply say i surrender all all to jesus i surrender Stewardship, I think, is the way out of a financial mess. It's one of those practical ways to say that I'm a steward. God owns it all. I'm the ower. I give God all my income, my 100%. I give my church 10%. I'm generous. I help out uh, with things over and above that 10%. I care for other people. The money that I receive from God, I want him to help me spend that and to honor my own family but also honor my faith. Josiah, if we can go to the next slide. So I think it's time to trust. This is a day of trust. November 17th, the last message in a series on being in the mess is to recognize that you might be in a mess and have gone through this series and you didn't know you were in a mess because you thought everything was under control and you realize it's your control, not your surrender to God. What I believe Jesus is calling for us to do today, people watching online, is to simply take this day as a day of surrender, to surrender your heart your dreams, your life, everything you know about you to everything you know about God. It's a time to trust. That's the biggest thing in our lives. The next slide, Josiah. There's the song that Dwayne and his team are gonna come back and play for us right now just to allow us to respond. And, and the words that I've highlighted again in yellow, I'd like you to read out all the words, both the white and the yellow, would you? Would you join with me on that first word, all? Would you say that word again? What does all mean? All, yeah, all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Can you say those lines with me? All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him, in his presence, daily live. I surrender all. Friends, if if you wonder how can I be a Christian? How can I follow Jesus? This song is it. If you get those five lines right, you get Christianity right. This is Christianity's not hard. It's very simple. It's about all to Jesus I surrender. The freedom I get is because of that surrender. I'm just gonna love and trust him. That's what I'm gonna do with my life. I'm gonna trust him with my money, with my health, with my hardships, with my successes, and I want to walk with him every day. Not just Sundays, not just an hour at church, but every day. At work, at school, when I'm having fun, when I'm at an arena, wherever I am, Jesus is with me, in me, living through me, and that's what would give me the joy of my life. So how do I get there? Every day, I surrender all. I surrender all. You see, it's that simple. It really is. And if you live in that simplicity, I think you will find a joy perhaps you haven't felt if you're not living in that simplicity. That if your life to this moment in time has been under your control, that you feel you got everything figured out and everything's all settled down, now Pastor Bob's at the front rocking the boat in my life and I don't like this at all, that hopefully you'll say, well, Pastor Bob's my friend because I want God to be my friend. And this would be a wonderful moment to take the things that I've been trying to control and just simply surrender them and say, God, I give them to you, my life, my money. If you have come here today or you're watching online and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, why not start today? Start right where you're sitting, right in this place. I want to take a moment and pray with you, and then Dwayne and his team are going to lead us in a song, and I'm going to give you an invitation to make your way to the front to simply make your way to the front to say, today, God, I want you to see my heart. I'm gonna put feet to my faith, and I wanna step out from where I am in my comfort zone, and I wanna say to you, God, that this means something to me today. I wanna surrender to you 100%, fully, wholly, in front of maybe my family, or strangers, or other people that are here that also need to surrender, but this is personal between me and you, God. I want you to know that I'm your person, And everything that I have in my life, I surrender to you. My kids, my marriage, my yesterday, my tomorrow, my money, my faith, my choices, my allegiance, my loyalty, everything, everything.